Welcome everyone to the Credible Nerds podcast. Today we'll be talking Stephen King. We'll be doing our second review of the of his series of books. Uh, last time we talked about Firestarter and just you know we compared the book, the movie, like the two movies, the the most recent one as well as the older one. We talked about the book and the different aspects of that and how we liked it and everything. So if that's something that you missed, definitely go go back and check that out. So we have it on our YouTube channel as well as on our audio feed. So uh, check that out if you haven't already. But today we'll be doing our second review. We've decided to talk about Cujo. Uh, that was a book that was written, I believe, in the 80s. Jordan? Is that yeah, right? 1981. Yep. Yeah. So early 80s. Um, there was a movie that was produced and released around a couple years after that, I want to say. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's been a while for Cujo. Uh, for me, I I never read the book till till this go around till we decided to read it uh, a couple weeks ago, but I was aware of the movie. I remember as a kid, you know, every time there was this dog that would chase you around the neighborhood or something, it was like, oh, it's a it's a Cujo dog or whatever. So you know, so the the awareness of Cujo was out there in my childhood, but I never watched the show or read the book, so. It's interesting that, you know, even, you know, this this film or the book about this rabid dog is was had such an impact on pop culture and just culture in general for as long as it has. What was your for you, Jordan? What was your introduction to Cujo? How did you hear about it? What did you think about it at that time? So Cujo would have been uh just when I did my first read through of Stephen King. And so again, kind of as a, as a history, I read the shining was my first book, read the green mile. That's when I got banned from Stephen <laughs> King as a middle school student. From your mom. Um, and then, yeah. And then when I, when I was an adult and the way I read things, I'm very particular. I kind of have to go to stick to order and I, I don't like jumping around and stuff like that. And so, um, yeah, when I, when I was an adult, I just was like, Hey, I'm going to start reading through Stephen King. So it just kind of fell in the, in the order. So I was, you know, early twenties. So yeah. 15, 16 years ago was my first read through. And then obviously this time again. So, yeah. Were you aware of Cujo? Did you heard the jokes like I did as a kid? Was that something that, yeah. Cause yeah. Because again, like you brought up Cujo's one of the. Uh, you know, as prolific as Stephen King is, he doesn't have a lot of things that are just, you know, when you have a disaster prom, it, you liken it to care when, yeah. you know, uh, you have Cujo, the car Christine. So there's a couple things that just are synonymous with certain things, you know, all bad dogs are like Cujo. Yeah. Um, so you just kind of know that. And, and, you know, I had never read it growing up, um, not until now. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting that that uh, backstory has always been, at least as far as back as I remember, it was always there. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's cool. Um, as far as the movie goes, did you? When did you watch that for the first time? <laughs> so the first time I watched that was like three days ago. Oh, really? <laughs> um, yeah. I we were not. You know, I had a very. Uh, sheltered you know did couldn't watch a lot of horror stuff growing up or you know scary things like that and so it just kind of passed 
passed by me. And so now as I've been doing these rereads and going through and saying, hey, I want to see all the movies. Um, I'm watching a lot of Stephen King movies for the first for the first time um, doing these rereads. So it's it's kind of nice being able to do that. So yeah, okay. so yeah that's my first time seeing it. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I mentioned earlier, off air before we started, I, I watched the trailer on iTunes. <laughs> it was it was very eighties, low budget eighties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was interesting to just watch that two minute clip. <laughs> and trailers back then are way different than they are nowadays. I mean, yeah, a lot of fast action, quick cuts in today's trailers, but that was back then. It was pretty slow, you know. Very this voice kind of talking slowly over the 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 sh- the clips that they're showing <laughs> it's very different yeah it was interesting when the, and the jump to the movie just really quick but that was you know there was a period back then kind of what we're seeing now but stephen king had taken off huge when yeah. the shining came out yeah every you know and so everything was then they're like hey we got to get just movies out based on your stuff and so it was a couple years but he had like three movies come out that year um, Cujo being one of them. So yeah, they were just kind of pumping them out and just getting them, getting them done. But King Stephen King really likes it. That's one of his. He says his favorite one of his, one of his favorite adaptions is Cujo. So, okay. all right. So yeah, the story Cujo, the book, uh, takes place in the '80s as well, right? Or seventy-eight, yeah, uh, yeah, seventy-nine. Yeah, maybe? He, yeah he, there wasn't anything like specific in terms of like. You know, all this took place in the future, the past. It it is kind of a sequel, um, and you know, we started doing these rereads, um, like with you, just with Firestarter. But a couple books before Firestarter, we have um, the book, the um, let me look really quick, the Dead Zone. Sorry, I almost said the Dark Half, and I was like, that's <laughs> not um, the Dead Zone, and that's yeah. the first uh, Castle Rock novel he wrote and so this one's the second and so there is mention a lot of mention about castle rock in or not castle rock but of the dead zone in this book so it hmm. does follow that story so okay because uh, people know about you know what happened because there was a a serial killer on the loose there and so that's kind of alluded to in this book that maybe his soul of the serial killer played a role into the what happened in Cujo. So, yeah. And I was going to ask you about that while I was reading it. Cause it did mention that uh, killer pretty early on in the, in the story. And mm-hmm. it seemed pretty fleshed out. I was like, it seems like there's a backstory here that probably is a, a story somewhere at some point, or at least a short story. Maybe, maybe because it uh, was like you said, they referred to it a couple times. Yeah. Uh-huh. Frank, pretty, Frank Dodd. The yeah. Frank Dodd. Killer. Yep. So, and part of it was, you know, in the story, it kind of starts out with this, this boy, going, he's having nightmares, trouble sleeping at night, and he swears he sees this monster in his closet. And it mm-hmm. kind of, it, that's when it starts talking about Frank Dodd and the, his history and his murders, um, that his spirit is perhaps still haunting and causing problems. Do you, is that kind of your take that? It is his spirit or his influence somehow back from the grave? Well, you know, it's one of those things that's never mentioned. In reading, you know, so I have a, I have a couple books. Um, I've got like a one book that ties the whole Stephen King universe together and it kind of finds all the 
you know, pieces and stuff like that. And so I'm not sure which book I have. A lot of them just kind of follow his works, but it's some, one of the books I read, it did mention that the house that the Trentons live in, that's their last name, the, the Trentons of this family is actually the house that Frank Dodd lived in. Okay. So the spirit is still like there. So yeah. I never, I didn't hear that on like an official, like, Hey, Stephen King said this, but yeah. he didn't tweet someone it said it in the book. So I don't know if that's just a folklore or what, but, yeah. um, you know, that, that is kind of the, the thought. And, you know, when we see what happens, like I try to, I'm trying to think to myself, like, you know, a rabid dog, how, you know, or any animal, if it's trying to get you, like, what extent would it be like, well, I couldn't get to you, so I'm done trying to get to you. Because with Cujo and Donna Trenton, when she's stuck in the Pinto, like, it's almost personal, like, uh, yeah. he's out to get her. And so that's where you then tend to think, okay, maybe it is a little more just supernatural. Maybe there is a yeah. demonic or not demonic, but like, maybe there is an evil spirit that's possessed this dog also so yeah yeah i because the trentons moved into the house pretty recently as far as the story goes right mm-hmm. in a couple years yep. maybe yeah uh-huh and they moved from the big city to there and yeah we'll get into that in a little bit as we go on as far as what we think but so they they're living there the, their child sees this monster in the closet and they come up the dad Mr. Trenton, I forget his name. Um, Vic. Vic, yeah. So yeah, Vic, Vic helps his son uh, come up with this mantra, this saying to help keep the monsters away, and it, and it works for him. You know, it helps him sleep at night. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, so there's there's that family. The Trenton family is one of the main families, and then this other family that lives a few miles away, different part of town on the outskirts. Um, they're the ones that own Cujo. And their family family dynamic is pretty similar in the sense that there's a mom and a dad and a, a young son. Um, but they have the dog Cujo, and he's a St. Bernard, right? Mm-hmm. And what's their what's their name again? So they're the Cambers. Cambers. So you have Joe, Joe Cambers, uh, his wife Charity, and then their son Brett. Yeah. Cambers. And so, or Camber. And he's a mechanic. He makes his living as a mechanic, and they're a little on the the poor side, while the Trentons are, you know, he's a an ad advertising guy, so he makes a lot of money. Uh, so there's there's that difference, but um, so as far as they go, the the Trentons go to the Cambers to talk about their car because the mom's Pinto isn't working very well, so got some problems. So that's when the two families meet. Um, the two boys, they see Cujo, and they kind of play with the dog a little bit. The mom's a little nervous that this huge dog is <laughs> playing with her son, that they don't know anything about this dog. But he seems nice, right, Cujo's? And we get a little bit of inner dialogue as the story goes on uh, from Cujo. And at the beginning, he's this nice, happy, fun-loving dog, right? Um, and as far as that dialogue goes for you, Jordan, did that work? I mean, what did you think about that whole that whole thing with the knowing what the dog's thinking, what Cujo's thinking? Well, 
in a sense, it really, you know, brings home, uh, you know, as, as I, and I kind of jump around a lot, but it really brings home the, the tragedy of the whole story because yeah. he really was a, like a good dog. Like, not just a like, and eh, whatever dog, but like he really, tr- like he was a good, not just like he was good with kids. He listened to everybody. Like he was just a good dog. And so I think that helped almost kind of build his demise a little bit and being like, this wasn't just some random, like, sh- you know, dog that we didn't care about. Like he, he was good. So. Yeah. I think you bring up a good point. It, is a tragedy and it's the tragedy of Cujo. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that that inner dialogue that we get from Cujo takes us on that journey. And he's the dog's a character in and unto himself, just as much as, you know, Brett, the, the boys, the, the mom and, and everybody, right? We, at first we like him and we kind of feel bad as, as time goes on and uh, he starts to change. And the difference, the difference with Cujo versus, you know, in the in the last episode, we talked about, uh, you know, the main villain from Firestarter. And with this one, it's just like there was never a point where he was acting maliciously other than just his nature. Right. Everything sounds are bugging him. So he's trying to get to the sound like and so that the end, you know spoiler alert when when the, everything is all done and you know and Cujo's perishing that was his last thought was like I just wanted to be good and yeah. I couldn't help it and now you're just like oh man like yeah. poor dude. like so you know and the whole thing you know we have now this talk of ooh there's a bad dog that dog is like Cujo but really yeah. he never was he just got sick in it you know, so his his tale was very tragic in that sense because he, I don't, you know, again, unless we want to say, okay, he was being possessed by the spirit of Frank Dodd and trying to get to, you know, Donna and Tad in the car. But, like, other than that, I think he was just, it was just bad for him. It just sucked kind of the whole the whole thing. So that was my, that was my whole takeaway from the book was everything just sucked. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I really like the book, like the book is good, but just, I'm just like, man, this, that sucked. Yeah. yeah. So. I did kind of think that as well. It's like, Oh man, he's such a good puppy or a good dog. His, his owner, mm-hmm. Tad loved him and all that. He was really worried about him. Uh, yeah. But, uh, so yeah, so Cujo, he's out, Playing in the fields, they lived on the edge of town, so there was all these, this forest, I guess, or just a lot of empty space, and he was out playing around, he's chasing this rabbit who dives into this hole, ends up being like a small cave where some bats are, and he's trying to get in, and he disturbs the bats, and one of the bats bites him on the nose, and this bat has rabies, so therefore it gives Cujo rabies, and then there's just, you know, there's a few days where you just kind of go through... Cujo slowly starting to fall to the effects of rabies and how it changes him and it drives him mad. And that's what causes all the drama and the terror and stuff is the rabies. Um, But as far as the Frank Dodd thing, I think there is a little bit of it, but I don't know how it happens. Cause there's, it's not like you, cause the monster, their spirit was still in the closet throughout most of the story. Cause at some point, uh, when the dad um, 
Mr. Cambers, he goes, Vic, he goes back home. He kind of senses the evil in the closet while Cujo is attacking his wife and child uh, in the Pinto miles mm-hmm. away. So it's like, how much influence did Frank Dodd have? But I kind of got the sense that there was some influence because, like you said, it was uh, Cujo started targeting, you know, uh, the mom and the kid, and it was a personal vendetta to get him. Yeah. And, and so I, I can see how you could bring that in too. But I don't know. It wasn't really clarified. I don't know if it needs to be clarified, but it's still kind of out there, kind of like, yeah. oh, what, mm-hmm. what's happening there? So, but yeah, so there's some drama with the Cambers, with Vic and Donna. Um, Donna's, she grew up, or she was in New York City. They moved out to the boonies, and she was just worried that she, her life was, was over, basically. She missed all the parties and the fun things that they were doing in New York City. Vic would go to work. She'd stay home and take care of the kid. And so she just got bored. She ended up getting uh, involved with this guy that worked there in town, in their town. And they ended up um, sleeping together a couple times. And then she realizes, okay, this is dumb. I'm going to call this off. And so she does, but the guy gets mad. And then he lets Vic know, hey, I've been sleeping with your wife. What do you think about that? And he's kind of a jerk. And so then this drama between uh, Vic and Donna happens. And, you know, they have to work things out. And then so you got that going on. And then on the other side of things with um, the Cambers, um, Charity the, and Charity, Charity and uh, Joe, Joe, yeah. Um, they're having problems too. Joe's kind of this hick guy that wants to control everything, and um, Charity or not Charity, um, yeah, Charity. yeah, Charity. She wants you know him to be nice to her, and she's worried about how Tad. No, sorry, I'm getting these names mixed up. Brett. <laughs> she's worried how Brett's gonna grow up under the influence of Joe. And so there's some conflict there. And so you got these two families. You got the one dad, Vic, who is just this normal guy, loves his wife. You got Donna who messes up. And then you got Joe who's a jerk and Charity who's a nice girl. And I honestly thought at the end the the two bad spouses would die and then those two would end up somehow. That's the direction <laughs> I thought it was going that they would console each other in their grief at the end of the story. And I don't, you wouldn't necessarily see them get together, but then they'd be like, Oh, he's, he's a widow too. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> go down that road. So I don't know. What'd you think about how the, those two couples compared and their, their different relationships and how things ended up for them. So again, to add on to the tragedy that is Cujo with everything, because for the Trentons, you know, their lives were basically ruined. And if, if, if we want to talk just like the, the wives, so for Donna, mm-hmm. you know, her life pretty much ruined because of, of all of this, everything that happened. Um, and I don't, you know, um, how everything played out. And with Charity, everything played out for her very well. And so it was hard to kind of cheer her on you know, because now she's getting the life she kind of always wanted and she's getting free from everything. And it's a really good thing that's happening to her. 
Yeah. While the same token, it's really bad what's happening for other people. And, and, you know, and King makes you care for both of them at the same time. So it's not like you can be like, okay, well, yeah, it's good that it's happened to her, but like, I don't care about it. Like you are actually kind of caring for her too and her predicament. And so that's, again, that just plays into this whole, you know, do you root for her and do you feel, you know, kind of guilty when she's kind of like, ooh, yay, like, <laughs> look, look what's happened. Yeah. yeah, I can I can now escape because she, she, you know, Charity was stuck. Like she again, she had a husband that, you know, hey, this is the way things are. My boy's going to be with me. You know, that's she always had to kind of trade off for, you know, hey, can you take him hunting? And I know what that's going to bring about if I can take him to visit my sister and let her see some city folk. And, you know, so she she was kind of trapped as well. Mm-hmm. But she was able to get out of it um, yeah. because of all this stuff where for Donna it did not work out. So yeah. for those guys, the Trentons, it was a tragedy all the way around for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, their marriage was in shambles. Uh, Donna gets ravaged by this crazy dog. And eventually their, their son dies as a result mm-hmm. of being stuck in that car for the whole time. Uh, while the other side, it was just the jerk husband gets killed and, party's like okay cool and even she was kind of like okay well (laughs) dang it you know because it was kind of those relationships back in the day where it was like okay i fell into this relationship like when i was young and i'm stuck in it you know i mean it, it there didn't there seemed to be kind of that underlying love you know of marriage but you know again she was kind of like okay good he's he's dead this means i'm I'm free. Like that was yeah. kind of her, her thought process there. So, yeah. And she had been contemplating leaving before this whole stuff mm-hmm. happened. So yep. for her, it worked out not too bad. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure part of her was sad that her husband was killed mm-hmm. in that way. I don't think anybody would want that to happen <clears throat> to their spouse, no matter how much they hated him. I'm trying to remember too, in the, in the book, I even think she like, she poses a question cause her son's pretty sad. And she's like, I wonder if he's more sad that his dad is dead or that his dog is dead. Yeah. And so then that's kind of like, Oh yeah. You know, it was again for them, it was a happy ending, you know, if you will. So, yeah. Yeah. So my, Oh yeah. Then there's the neighbor, the war veteran. He's this mm-hmm. crass, drunk guy that lives next door and he's just problems victim too. Victim one. Yeah, victim, victim number one. Cujo <laughs> takes him down pretty easy. Um, he's a, kind of the same thing where like he dies and you're like, well, he's kind of a loser anyway and rude and just not that good of a guy. So it's mm-hmm. like, ah, big loss. So I'd say how many there was those two, Joe, the neighbor, um, the so cop. Joe and the are we, yeah, are we talking their deaths? Yeah. Yeah, so Joe and the neighbor, the cop, that Cujo actually kills, whether we call, you know, Tad a, in, well, you know, an indirect casualty because Cujo didn't get to him, but he yeah. perished in being stuck in the car. So that would be five, five. And I think that's what it, I think the book even tallies a number and says like five deaths or something like that. So five. So one. Five or four. Let's see. Oh, yeah. Did I say? Yeah. 
Yeah, so the neighbor. Joe, his friend. Yeah, the cop and Tad. Yeah, so yeah. four people. Four people. Yeah. Yeah. So, for some reason, I thought I had never read the book or saw the movie, but for some reason, I thought the story was about Cujo going on a rampage around town, just attacking people at night. You know, <laughs> out for a run, and he chases him down and kills him, or you know, whatever. And so, when the story ended up being pretty self-contained in the in the their house in the Pinto. You know, just that one spot in the driveway, basically. I was a little yeah. disappointed. <laughs> like, I thought it was going to be more epic than this, or at least a little more involved. Um, but at the same time, I'm kind of glad, because I wouldn't want to read about this dog just terrorizing this town, <laughs> killing all these people. Um, so I don't know. I was a little disappointed, but then I was like, okay with it at the end. So uh, as far as the believability of Cujo, killing these people and overpowering them in a lot of sense. How, how did you take that? Was that? Well, so, you know, one of the kind of, and you know, we talked a little bit about um, establishing how good of a dog Cujo was. Cause you know, we've all been there where, you know, you go to knock on someone's door or something and there's a yeah. dog growling at you. Right. And you're like, Nope, I'm not having this, yeah, <laughs> you know, but the thing with Cujo is, when he would come, when he first came upon the first, uh, the victim one, the, you know, the Joe's friend, he didn't instantly have that like freaked out, scared because it was Cujo. So it's like, yeah. okay, I know, I know you. So then he got caught off guard. Also didn't have, didn't help that he was like completely plastered when he yeah. got murdered, still, you know, but, uh, yeah, but like that was part. That was, I think, kind of part of it. Was he, he didn't inst, like instantly freak out and be like, "Hey, the neighbor's crazy dog is coming to get me." It was, yeah. it's Cujo, man. No Cujo, and then all of a sudden he, he got him right, yeah. and then, you know, and then the uh, again, they're so isolated in their town, nothing bad's happening. So when Joe's trying to figure out what happened to his buddy, he was like, "What happened here?" And then he kind of got ambushed a little bit so you know i mean it's yeah. i could see it i could see it a little bit like what you know the, the, the you know hey, so gun, the cop, that, all that yeah that that one was the hard one and that was almost i don't know of like a you know stunned he did and again he did so well in the book before he was the main investigative cop to get oh. frank todd and so like kind of mind mind-boggling but in the sense too that was also the theme kind of of the book of just everything that could have gone wrong went wrong yeah. right this should have been an easy hey i got stuck in my car for 20 minutes and someone came and got me and off we go like yeah. it that was kind of i kept getting the sense like everything that could have happened to prevent and so then you have like that is kind of some outside force that is making this happen but everything went wrong yeah he the cop just decided not to phone in that mm -hmm. the stuff is going on and he decided to look at it himself you know the the postman yeah did at the lat and in the movie in the movie it's a little different but he like last second someone's like hey they held the mail like last second and you're just like oh man that could have <laughs> you know that could have been it the yeah you know the the person that don was having an affair with erased her her she wrote a message saying this is where i'm at and he erased yeah. it to yeah. 
you know, when he trashed their house. So, like, everything just went wrong for for him. So that's mm-hmm. kind of a, another theme of of the book. So, you know, in that sense, you could say, okay, I guess it is plausible. And in, 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 in a normal sense, it'd be easy to, you know, some, something would happen. You'd get some help, but yeah. not then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And <laughs> while reading the story, um, well, first let me preface it with, I used to watch the X-Files back in the day, and I still watch it every once in a while. <clears throat> and that was set in the 90s, mid-90s to through the 2000s, as well as like Smallville, right? Um, mid Early 2000s. And there's all these this stuff that happens, but no one is able to get a picture of it or, you know, mm-hmm. they can't just call their friend and say, hey, I'm over here, come come get me. You know, it's got to be this long, drawn-out assumptions made, wrong decisions made. Mm-hmm. And I, it was kind of like that with this story. It's like the whole time I'm like, well, if she had a cell phone, she could just call someone and be like, hey, this crazy dog's attacking me. Come help me. Boom. Story's over, right? Yep. So I, I kept thinking about that. And I could, no, no, this is the 80s. No one really had cell phones back then. And all that's, you know, the, the mail and landlines and you know all that stuff but it it did keep you know coming back to my mind well this wouldn't happen today but do you how would you write this story today do you have any ideas of how you would make it just as intense but yet people still have cell phones and all that tech well what you what you would have to do is like kind of you said people you know the the typical horror movie everyone has to Whatever you would do, do the complete opposite, right? <laughs> so leave your cell phone at home. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, don't the battery dies. Home. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, you, I mean, that would be this. That would be the sense. And I mean, you could almost say it though, because that was part of it. Was he lived? He was like the last house in the town, right? And so you could maybe be like, "Hey, I don't have cell huh? cell service. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't have anything in my car to help me out." Um, you know, I that when I finished reading the book, I'm like, man, I got to start putting some water bottles in the <laughs> yeah. in the car just in case. You never know, but uh, um, things you don't think about that could strand you. Um, you know, so yeah, you get you get to thinking about that sort of stuff. This one hit a little more close to home for me because I've got a six year old, and so it's like, man, if her and I are out, and that's what I kept thinking too during the whole reading the book, is I'm just like, okay. Hey, like Donna, you've got to like do something. Yeah. Like, when is the point when you stop waiting and you mm-hmm. do something? And that again, I keep going back to the tragedy of the whole thing. But when she decided to do something, she killed him easily. She killed Cujo easily. Like, yeah. I mean, not easily in the sense like she got ripped up, but that was also she got basically bitten and attacked when she was still kind of not trying to do something. She. Yeah. She saw the baseball bat. She got out. She she took care of him. Has she done that right then? Like when he first started attacking the car, you know, yeah. then who knows what would have happened. And so that's part of, the, again, the tragedy to, of the whole thing was when she got the courage to, to take action, she was successful. And, mm-hmm. you know, sadly, she waited too long. So, yeah. Yeah. If she, I mean, she they were in the car for like three days. Three days. Yeah. So if she would have done something, to your point, the first day, 
probably got would have got bitten and stuff, but you know, she would have been all right. And I know, and I know, Cujo's getting weakened as he's, True. you know, he's smashing his head into the car and stuff like that. But yeah, that's what I, you know, that was what was frustrating for me reading it. So just, I'm like, you know, eventually you gotta mm-hmm. do some, do something, you know. A big plot point, or not plot point, but thought in her mind was, I just got to run to the door, get in the get inside, close the door. And she kept thinking about it, but never did it. Um, would you have and, done and it? I guess, well, and I guess to her defense, too, because then I can see, because that's what she was thinking about, too. Okay, hey, I run to the door, and I get tackled and killed. Now I've left my kid all by themselves, you know, and so that's, yeah. that's the other struggle so you know it, it's hard i i'm a big wuss when it comes to mean dogs and so i i'm like i don't know what i would do like mm-hmm. <laughs> you know when that would kick in when that you know and honestly i don't think anyone unless you've been in the situation could truly say okay this is when i would take do something like i don't know i i can't say like oh i would have done this day one or day two who knows <laughs> Yeah. I'm a big wuss, so. <laughs> so you wouldn't have gone for the door? I, I don't think so. I'm slow. I'm big and slow. I can't run very good. My bad knees. It's, I'm not making that door. So. Yeah. <laughs> but there know. were a lot of times where I thought, you know, from the from the background, like, hey, now's your chance. Like, mm-hmm. he's gone or do try this or, you know, there was an instance where the phone was ringing. And, I was, and again, that's where I was thinking, like, when does a dog stop chasing because there was a time in the book where the phone's ringing and Cujo's just going after the phone. I would have taken my kid and ran the other way, but yeah. you know, when snuck out the who knows? Door. Like, yeah, going out the other door and just run, start running down the road at least. And but you know, who knows if he starts chasing you? That's kind of the unknown that she had. So yeah, that's the genius of the book. I think is it's like, well, why don't you just do this? I'd do that. I'd totally do that. But she doesn't, so then, you know, it's you just keep you just keep talking to the characters like, no, don't do that, do this. So, so they're that's their predicament. They're stuck in their car, that Pinto for three days. Cujo's guarding them, and then you got the side stories where um, Charity and Brett are visiting uh, Charity's sister. And that's when she's thinking about um, leaving her husband and. She eventually decides not to, right? She's like, oh, I'll, I'll just go home. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So the decision, she made the decision. So that's that's good because I think if you're like, you make the decision to leave him and then you go home and he's dead, you'd be like, oh, you kind of feel a little guilty. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, oh. so that's good that she decided to be loyal and stick through it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And then the other side with the other, with Vic and his business partner, their their business is falling apart. Is there any uh, continuation of that story in other books? No, okay. no, at least not that I remember. I mean, that's the thing. Castle Rock plays such a huge point, but I don't know if there's even anything of like, hey, this ad agency yeah. or what, you know, what was going on there. But yeah, yeah you know, I mean, that was their that was their slogan, which again kind of plays into the book. Nothing, nothing wrong here. You know, they kept saying that nothing wrong here where everything is going wrong, <laughs> yeah. you know, wrong in the background. So, yeah. And that by in and of itself, I thought was an interesting uh, plot point or storyline, I guess. 
you know, you could write some stories off of that, you know, how the kid's eating the cereal and he starts throwing up blood and, you know, the whole, the actor who plays the professor's all depressed and I don't know. It seems like there's some story material there. Well, and, the, and they, and they talk, you know, in, in that whole thing, cause you know, the whole time, you know, Vic is gone during this whole, yeah. you know, thing. And they're like, well, I don't know if this was the book or the movie or if it was, you know, just in some side reading, but they're like, you know, Vic, Vic was never there when his family needed him the most. It was the kind of the criticism, but then at the same sense, he's out, He's the breadwinner, so he's working his butt off trying to save his company. And so in, in that sense, he is working hard and mm-hmm. trying to help his family. Like, you know, so it's kind of that hard, you know, hard thing for him and, and guilt for him too, feeling, hey, I should have been here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I could have done something and, you know, but again, yeah, that like, plays a whole theme. Yeah, definitely. He's not like Joe. <laughs> his big plan was no. to go get drunk with his buddy and sleep with some prostitutes and just yep. go party it up. You know, he's not he's not doing that. He's mm-hmm. like you said, he's trying to save his company and that super stressful for him and he's just found out his wife's cheating on him and so he's a nervous wreck the whole time throughout the whole story with, with reason. So yeah. Um I'm gonna pay attention to future stories. Maybe their ads pop up. Well, a yeah. one of the characters watching TV or something, you know, mm-hmm. that'd be kind of cool to pay attention to and see. Um, but yeah, so as far as the movie goes, how well does it compare? Does it follow the the storyline of the books or so how's that? It follows. It follows pretty good. You know, it's the big. I mean, the biggest critique with Stephen King, the movie writer versus his movies, or the book writer versus his movies, is. You know, he he does so much work into character building and the intricacies of the characters again. So in the movie, you don't really get this sense of, you know, what Charity's going through on a personal level and what, you know, Vic and Don are like, you don't get that sense. It's all just kind of rushed, you know, and she's like, hey, I'm, I won the lottery. I bought you a thing for the car. I'm leaving. Like yeah. I'm going on a trip. You don't really know why she needs to do that so badly. Like, so that's always the biggest, you know, complaint, but you know, the, the book followed or the movie followed pretty good. Um, it's pretty intense. The, the kid Tad in the movie, man, when he's screaming, cause the dog's getting him, I was like tensing up cause, yeah. and, and they're like, it's all pretty much natural. We just had a dog, pounding on the car door and the kids are screaming. And so it's, you know, it's pretty good. Yeah. You know, obviously the biggest change was in the, in the movie, Tad survives. Uh-huh. Uh, they, they were able to, she's able to get the dog and kill the dog and get help. And he lives. And so that's kind of the biggest uh, change. And, and Stephen King in like looking back and he's like, you know, movies are, he's like a different emotional level than books. And so sometimes people have to live or else, mm-hmm. you know, the way you see it in the movie. So that's the biggest change is everyone happily ever after in the, in the, in the movie. So does Joe die? Yeah. So Joe dies, uh, the, you know, um, uh, yeah, I'm going to just keep calling him vic- victim number one <laughs> until I, until his name hits into my thing. But, uh, yeah, they both die. The cop dies. I'm pretty sure the cop dies. Um, 
but then yeah they but they were able to save the kid that was the biggest okay. uh, the biggest difference so yeah and i like that because i think the the boy's death was just out of the blue because towards the end he's still you know he's barely conscious but he's still alive and then uh donna overcomes cujo and kills him and then next thing you know the boy's dead well and it does well and it does kind of i always thought too about it though because then the question vic asks is how long has he been dead yeah so then i think to myself i wonder if she's like may like how maybe he died the first day like yeah and she's just kind of do much no and she's just kind of in her mind thinking all this stuff like who knows that that question always really hit me when he's like how long has he been dead mm-hmm. and uh so yeah i don't know if it was just right then if she was just and that again kind of the you know the brilliance of the book for me did she just barely miss it in time was everything she did for not because he was dead way before then like you never you never know and they never tell you so I I always I always liked that line because it brings a lot of doubt and that's and again like with the book like just nothing worked out well <laughs> like yeah. this is just kind of the tragedy of the story so yeah and I actually like that explanation because it did seem just sudden out of the blue and it, it could happen but you know they they fought for so long he struggled for so long and then help finally arrives but he dies like 30 seconds before. Yeah. And I didn't like that. Um, but I like your, your question, you know, how long has he been dead? Like the, the dad asked, um, maybe it was a, maybe he died the night before mom's just mm-hmm. hallucinating or, you know, she hasn't had water either. So yeah. I, I like that. I hadn't thought of that. Okay. Um, but I, I do wish the boy had survived <laughs> that just, because like you said, there's a tragedy. All these bad things happen, and then the worst thing happens, and you're just mm-hmm. like, oh, this book sucks. I hate it. <laughs> Everyone dies. <laughs> that was, well, that, that was, I, I, I put it down, and I was just like, well, that sucked. Like, again, <laughs> yeah. and then I, I, I enjoyed the read. You know, it wasn't a, oh, the, like, please end now. Like, right. I just read it. It was like, that, that sucked. <laughs> like, every, nothing, you know, nothing good, except for, again, you know, now Charity and Brett and, they're selling the they're selling the farm and the yeah. you know she sold the brand new equipment she had bought for her husband and they're taking off for a better life in the city like yeah. you know it's kind of the only <clears throat> only positive that comes out of everything so yeah because Brett gets a new puppy I think I think yeah. someone gave him a new puppy and yeah. you're like oh nice and you know this other family their life is just completely ruined and you just yeah it's yeah. not a not a happy ending, so. Yeah, Vic and Donna, I don't think they're still questioning, right, at the end of the story. Yeah, they were just kind of like, what do we do now? And yeah. let's yeah. just kind of start going through the motions almost kind of sense. And, yeah. you know, you never you never really find out if, they're, if, if it works out or not, so. Yeah. Do either of those two, like those two families, they pop up later in any other stories? No, not that I, not that I can recall so i mean you'll get mentioned you know so castle rock the town is just kind of you know kind of takes on this 
persona of a cursed town. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got Castle Rock and then you have Derry. Uh, those are the two, you know, cursed places. But, you know, so in future future books, like, they'll be like, oh, yeah, the summer of 81 when Cujo killed everybody. Like, so they'll bring that back up. But I don't think they mention any of the other players by name. So, mm-hmm. okay. That's interesting. Yeah. So like you, I, I wasn't happy when I finished it, but as I thought about it later, cause it does stick with you. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the power of the, of the story is you think about it like, man, what would I do? Or I wish that would have happened. Or so you still think about it and that's, that's a sign of a good story, whether you like it or not, yep. you know, you still think about it after the fact. And so I did, I do like it. I have criticisms, but I mean, I think that's normal for any story, really. Um, I didn't hate it. I'd probably give it a an eight, seven point eight, or eight out of of ten overall. I mean, that's yeah, higher up there for me as well. So yeah. Okay. Well, as far as moving forward, um, oh, I wanted to bring up something. So there's these TV shows, I think, or movies. They always show like the producer signs, the companies, and isn't there one called Castle Rock Entertainment? There is. They do like Seinfeld. Okay, uh, yeah, I think yeah. so. And I don't. I've I've always wondered. Maybe I'll have to look into this for the next episode because I've always wondered. Oh, looks like I'm frozen. Yeah. Um, but I've always wondered if if that had any like someone if that's a, a location that's there or if somebody actually was, Hey, and not to Stephen King, but yeah, Steinfeld doesn't really have a lot to do with Stephen King. Okay. So right. I don't know. But that's yeah, what I've seen it most is okay. They did like sign all the Seinfeld, I think. So, yeah, but yeah, so I have seen that company. Yeah. I was one, I couldn't remember where I saw it. And then you mentioned Seinfeld. I was like, Oh yeah. So there's yep. uh, probably not a huge connection, but well, all right. Also so, listen. Yeah. <laughs> So moving forward, um, what book are we going to read next? What's the next one on the list? Well, so the t- so the two the two options we just keep going forward from here, or we go and start with Carrie and um, you know, kind of progress that progress that way. So um, the next the next book in line is as I get up, um, and I don't. I, you know, as, as a short story collection, a novella collection, actually. So we got Shawshank Redemption is coming up. Um, I think that's the big one from that um, collection of stories. So, okay. Well, so however is, you want. Yeah. Is Carrie the first story that he wrote? Carrie is the, is the first book. Okay. Um, I've always wanted to look, you know, authors back in the day and, and, you know, I don't know how, how well it works now, um, but, you know, he wrote so much stuff in magazines, too, like stories. So you'll have some stories that, you know, predate Carrie, um, even maybe some stories that were made into a movie because then he collected them in, you know, short story collections. Um, I think Children of the Corn was maybe written and or published before Carrie in a magazine um, or something like that. But Carrie is the first book. Um, that's what I always start with is, is okay. Carrie. So yeah, I think if, if we would do that, I think I would want to start there. Okay. Just cause 
on our website, we have a list of all his books that we're going to read. And it does start with Carrie. Um, what about, you mentioned that there was a short story, uh, The Dead Zone, that talked about preview. So The Dead Zone's a, the Pre- Dead Zone is a, it's a, it's a novel in itself. It's his, uh, I have to keep looking at my bookshelf. One, two, three, fifth novel. So The Dead Zone is the fifth one that he wrote. So Okay. So, so it was have, written before Cujo. Yeah, it was written. Yeah, it didn't come out as a as like a prequel. It was, you know, that's kind of, and that's kind of the nice thing about reading the stuff in order because he does, you know, throw throw these little, you know, callbacks and Easter eggs, if you will, of, you know, hey, remember, remember this dog? Like Cujo will come up in future books, and okay. you know, especially when he hits these towns too, like Castle Rock. Now everything will kind of, you know. The people know they remember what what's happened in the book, so it's not they're not true standalone. Well, they're standalone books, but not you know true ones. So yeah, like you said, Easter eggs. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I was like, I was like going through an order. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's do that. Let's, let's okay. start with Carrie. What's after Carrie? So after Carrie is a uh, Salem's Lot, and the nice thing about that, although the movie just got pushed back. But they're the they have never made an actual movie on Salem Slot. They've had two made for TV specials, but there's never been a movie. And so this is the first the first movie finally after what four no, let's see, fifty years, fifty years it's been. Wow. So yeah. um and that's yeah, that's coming out here. It was supposed to come out in September, but it got pushed back to next, like February or March or something like that. But uh. Um, but yeah, so, um, but yeah, so you've got Carrie Salem's lot and then the shining is the next, the shining in the stand. So yeah, some pretty big, yeah, well-known heavy hitters to start off. So right out of the gate. Yeah, let's do that. We'll start with Carrie number one on the list and we'll go from there. Uh, like I said, you can check out our website, crediblenerds.com slash Stephen King. (laughs) But uh, just do, like, there's a, let me, let me look it up real quick. If you go to our main page, our homepage, there's a menu item called Series Review. And it's a drop-down list that has Stephen King on it. You can select that. And it will take you to the list, the chronological reading order. And, yes, it's CredibleNerds.com slash Stephen dash King. So check that out. And we'll post our links to our YouTube videos and our written reviews as well on that page so you can, you know, do your homework. (laughs) Carrie has got uh, two. So they had the original Carrie movie, the the famous one, Mm -hmm. the Brian De Palma film, and then a made-for-TV movie. And then you've got the new, well, I say new, 10 years old now, um, remake of Carrie. So, Okay, so three movies. And then you could go, you could even branch off and go with uh, the Rage Carrie 2. <laughs> you want to deep dive. Deep cuts. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, so, yep, quite a, quite a bit of film. And that, that's, I always like it when you have, two or three movies to really uh, compare. So, yeah. Okay. 
Uh, who um, stars? Who's Carrie in Carrie? In the original one? Yeah. Uh, Sissy Spacek. Oh. Is Carrie. How old is she? In that oh, one? man. In that one, I think in their teens, I think it was one of her first roles. Oh. So. I'm about to watch that one. Yeah. Cool. All right. So. Yeah. So if you're watching this or even listening to this podcast episode, definitely f- check us out on YouTube. Subscribe to our channel. You know, all that stuff that all the YouTubers say. Uh, subscribe, li- like, share, comment, all that stuff. You know, there's a reason for it. You know, we want to increase our presence uh, and have people watch and listen to this these Stephen King episodes. Uh, but definitely subscribe to our channel. You know, get our subscriber count up there. It costs you nothing, literally. Uh, if, if you ch- subscribe and you, after a while, you're like, eh, it's not my thing, it's fine. I mean, we get it. <laughs> I mean, I subscribe to a ton of people on YouTube that I listen or watch their stuff like once a year, right? No cost to me, no penalty. Just helps everybody out. So help us out. Uh, follow our social media stuff. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Give us some feedback. Make some comments. Uh, people comment on on our videos, and it's a great way to interact with our fans. I love it. I love listening to what people have to say, reading what people have to say, and kind of going back and forth. Let us know if you like it, if you don't like it, what we could do better. If you have a question for Jordan, if you want to stump the expert and want to <laughs> ask Jordan a question, do that, and we'll see what he says. Definitely you can email us. If you have comments or questions, you can email us at uh, nerds at CredibleNerds.com. Just email us, and if you have questions, we'll we'll read them on the show, on the review, and uh, we'll talk about it. Like if you have uh, some questions or comments about Carrie, um, send it to us, and we will read it on air as we do our reviews. So thanks for watching. Uh, any final comments about Cujo before we wrap things up, Jordan? Not about Cujo, but I just want to give a quick shout out um it's it's coming up next next month um so this is not cujo topic but i don't want people to miss this because it's super cool if they can see it so stephen king on some of his stories that no one owns the rights to and they're mostly his short stories if you are an up-and-coming filmmaker trying to you know find some source material to work with he will sell you the rights to his stories for $1. Wow. And you can make a movie bait and you can market it as based on Stephen King's whatever to get people to watch it. You can't, there's a lot of rules that come with it. You can't make money off of it or something, but it's to help filmmakers. And, um, I can, I can find those dates. Um, I can actually look right now, but they're having a festival. They did it for COVID, uh, last year, they did a whole festival and they were able to get permission from Stephen King <clears throat> to compile a whole bunch of these movies and show them over a three day, like marathon of a movie thing. And you just can see all sorts of just interesting films. And some of the films, like there would be four different versions of it because it's just, oh, I got it and now I made it and yeah. now I made it and stuff like that. So it's going to be, let's see, it's in August. Um, and of course, oh no, here we go. August 19th, 20th and 21st. So it's called Stephen King rules. If you look at them on Twitter, um, or look it up up on Facebook or, you know, I can look at 
figuring out how to get a link out there. But it was one of the coolest things I I did during COVID was watch this festival. So oh, nice. it's coming out there. So in case we don't have time to shout it out, like it's yeah. it's fun to watch just to see these. And you have some like high school kids making a movie for like a film class, and then you nice. got professional people making a movie. Oh. So you got a whole whole range. So I'm really That's looking cool. forward to that in, in a month. So yeah. Yeah, we'll post we'll post the link in the comments below, in the description below, and then we'll we'll make a blog post on our on our uh, website. So check it out. I will be live watching the whole thing. I've <laughs> booked it booked it out, and it's it's like twelve hours a day for three days. So, <laughs> wow. do you have to pay for it? Is it like a no? It's all free because and normally these festivals, you know, like at Sundance, maybe you'll get one, like one of the films or something, you know. And so these yeah. guys got got together and you know because one of the things that you can't do is like you can't post them to youtube you can't share it like it's just really to get your name out there yeah and and funny well not funny but interesting trivia the guy the director that made uh the green mile and shawshank redemption Mm -hmm. um he kind of got his start making one of these dollar baby movies back in the 80s um and got his name out there. And so that's, it's really cool. And so that's all free. Um, they're actually doing it at a physical location, but they are, they got permission again to stream it again. So yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. And then they do Q and A's with the directors afterwards. So it's, it's a blast. I, I liked it. So just yeah. trying to spread that yeah. awareness out of this festival. So that's cool. So you can't like, if you miss it, you can't go back and watch later. No, and they it's even every day the second it ended, they signed off and whoop, took it off. So you have to watch it live. You can't pause it and rewind it. So it it, it it's it's kind of like just being there. But yeah, and they 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 had all the they were able to put up all the like director you know interviews afterwards and stuff. But yeah, that's one of the stipulations for having the rights to these movies is you can't yeah. you can't have it up. It's a kind of a one time showing and. Then you're done. Well, not one time, but like you can take it to films. You, I think you get the rights for a year, so they'll compile. And but then these people keep all their movies. So some of them are a couple years old. Um, that's why you can see a handful of different movies. But yeah, so yeah. pretty cool project. So yeah, definitely to check it out. Cool. Well, thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, definitely ch- check out our next podcast review and a. Probably later this month or early August, we'll review Carrie and then go from there. So thanks for joining us, and we will catch you next time, guys. Thanks.